You have reached Pod Level Midnight, a conversation show about sports, movies, and whatever else we find along the way. I'm your host, Josiah Dury. Let's go. It is the week after the Super Bowl. The NFL season is over and joining me to figure out how to fix the Minnesota Vikings defense and see where we go from here is Colin Howell back on the show. Once again, Colin, welcome. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Happy to be back. Excited to get into the weeds and talk some football. Figure this thing out. (laughs) Yeah. So before we started recording here, we're just like, man, this is one of our favorite times of the year because it's just nothing but reckless speculation, optimism, figuring out how we're going to, you know, armchair GM our way to fix the fix the team and stuff. But before we get into all that, I want to ask you um, just what was this season like for you? The Vikings coming on um, 13 and four winning the division, everything else. What is it as you look back now on the season, what are you going to remember from this 2022 Vikings squad? Yeah, man. Uh, you know, as, as we certainly reflect on the year and as you can recall from our number of conversations and, and certainly even the last time I was on your podcast here, um, the 13 win season most certainly was a pleasant surprise um, for sure. Um, and, and winning the division at that, um, you know, uh, obviously a lot of positives from this year. Um, I, I, as we'll talk as the show goes on, I think a lot of that is going to be hard to replicate. I think mm-hmm. there was a decent amount of luck involved. You don't have to apologize for that, but, but it was there. It was a factor. Um, but uh, you know, things, things that were definitely memorable from this year. I mean, um you know, obviously a 13 win season with a new head coach like that. Uh, good thing. I'm not a betting man. Cause I certainly <laughs> wouldn't bet on that. Right. Like with all those, all those factors in play, but uh, things I'll certainly remember would be for sure. Like uh, man, KOC's post-game locker room speeches. Those just fueled me. I looked forward to those every Sunday night after a win, man, I was ready to run through a brick wall every single time for one of those. Yeah. Um, so those are, those are awesome for sure. Um, you know, and then it's like, then we had the, like the, just the not so crazy Buffalo game, right? Yes. Like that was, the fact that the fact that 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 game happened and in the same season we got an even more historic comeback mm-hmm. I mean that was not like the biggest comeback in the world just I think the competition was obviously a factor there but um you know so then obviously we had the Colts historic comeback which was which was crazy too um you know obviously memorable there um filling up the NFL um uh you know history books a little bit. books yeah yeah. Um, and then on some less positive notes, I think I'm going to remember, <laughs> I'm for sure going to think of this season and I'm going to forever picture uh, Jordan Hicks and Eric Kendricks just trailing, you know, in that eight to 10 yards mark behind <laughs> scat backs and the tight ends and such in the middle of the field. Um, and, uh, you know, as much as I hate to say it, you're going to remember that fourth and eight, right, to uh, oh, yeah. fourth in the season and uh, and uh, Kirk checks down. So sadly, you're going to remember that too. But, um, you know, as I'm, as I'm sure we'll discuss, uh, Part of me is like, of course, that's how the year ended, right? And and you know where I've stood on Kirk for all these years, but you know, despite that, it's like he had a heck of a heck of a year, and and yet we we ended on that note. So yeah, we're gonna get into him. I want to get yeah. your thoughts on Kirk oh, yeah. a lot more as we go. But <laughs> you mentioned it. I think the two. I mean, lots of really. I haven't done the. I've got the Justin Jefferson like twenty minute long season highlight thing I saw on YouTube. I haven't watched it yet. It's got. It's in my like. Um, watch later thing. I haven't you know, had the heart to dive into it yet, but I know there's going to be a lot to uh, just really look back fondly on. Um, you mentioned the two games that I think I'll remember forever, which is the Buffalo game. I remember 
I think I texted you right after the game. I was like, I feel like I just ran a marathon. Like that was one of those where just like <laughs> the the amount of time it was, it went on for so long that it was like t- just pure tension um, mm-hmm. for like an hour straight in that game and things we've never seen before with the catch and the fumble and mm-hmm. a full overtime, everything else. And then, yeah, being, being at the Colts game for me, um, that's definitely one of my five, maybe top three, um, you know, in-person experiences at a Vikings game. That was unbelievable almost left um so even (laughs) that's where it's cool to have like um even just have some time capsules of like my random thoughts after some of those games on this podcast i have to listen to back to them at some point and just be like yeah you know what was that experience like some of those games to remember so yeah uh justin jefferson um last weekend of course won um offensive player of the year well deserved on that so i think not quite as historic of a season as we may have thought it would be with the last couple of weeks, but that just gives him something to chase next year. So that's exciting too. So yeah, the, what's the number one thing you'd point to as far as why this is not so easy to replicate heading into next year? Is it the defense? Is it the one score game, you know, regression, luck, stuff like that? Is it KOCs maybe, you know, the luster is wearing off a bit of just a first year culture change thing. But what do you see that's kind of like, if there is a reason for skepticism on the Vikings moving forward, what is it for you? Yeah, well, I mean, first and foremost, like this is a league where you fight regression on a yearly basis, right? And like, clearly when you go 11-0, I mean, 11-1, I guess if you count the playoff game, right? But 11-0 regular season games and one score games, like you ain't replicating that, right? Like as much as you might want to, um, and so that's where, you know, this season was was so interesting because it's like the, the advanced analytics spoke to a much more average team, right? And time and again, it's like we'd be reminded of that and certainly were, you know, in the in come the playoffs. So, you know, when you when you kind of phrase a question of like, you know, were they lucky, were they lucky, were they good, like, you know, uh things of things of that nature, it's like, yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep going back to that eleven and zero in one square game. Mm-hmm. Like awesome i can't believe that we got to be a part of that but you obviously can't count on that next year now that said can you build on things in such a way you know can you be a little more of an offensive juggernaut consistently can your defense go from you know 31st 32nd in the league to 19th in the league Mm -hmm. the top 15th through 19th 20th or something um to put yourself in such a position um to not be in so many one score games. Right. So there's obviously steps you can take hopefully on the, on the gridiron to avoid some of that, you know, going forward. Yeah. The the one thing I'd say about the one score game thing is, and I was trying to fight this narrative all season. And of course it ended up in vain with the first round playoff loss, but I do think not all one score wins are created equal as far as there were several of those games where the Vikings either won by eight points or they sure. really controlled the game the entire time. And it just ended up being, a one score game in the end. But if you look at like win percentage or whatever, um, it would tell a different story. Of course, there's a couple of games we've already mentioned where the Vikings, if you look at win percentage, probably shouldn't have won the Colts <laughs> right. game and the Bills right, game and right, stuff. Right. So I think rather than like saying they should have gone 500 in those games and would have been like a eight and nine team or whatever, I think like a, like a 10 and what is, how many games are there? Seven, 17, 10 and seven, yeah. 11 and six um, probably is a little bit more of a realistic record for this team, but I don't oh. think, I still think that they did a lot of good and were the best team in the in their division. And yeah. you know, of course the playoffs ended probably as they as they should have, even though they had a chance to win that game too. So yeah, what's um how are you feeling about Kevin O'Connell? I know you're 
you're drinking the Kool-Aid as far as speeches go. Yeah. Um, I think there's no denying the culture change that we had this season. But as far as as a head coach, what is his what is his ceiling? Are there things you're apprehensive about, or how do you evaluate him kind of one year in here? Mm-hmm, sure. I mean, at the end of the day, I was most pleasantly surprised, and I liked the hire initially. Um, you know, as we were discussing a year ago, I personally wasn't crazy on the John Harbaugh front. You know, <laughs> some of the other candidates, it's like I couldn't get real jazzed about. Um, so. So that said, it's like, you know, KOC did ultimately impress me, but that said, clearly room for growth, right? Yeah. And so um, I think one thing I want to see him build off of, you know, last year in his introductory press conference, he spoke a lot about that illusion of complexity offensively. And what was so odd to me is it, it felt like we saw that so consistently for the first like five or six weeks of the season, mm-hmm. where you'd see, and I mean, heck, you were seeing this in the Super Bowl with the Chiefs, right? But like, yeah. see you'd see similar formations where it'd be like a mirrored, you know, maybe mm-hmm. a mirrored play, something like that. That's obviously, you know, an example when he speaks to that illusion of complexity, but was, what was so odd is I felt like a lot of that just sort of dissipated by the end of the year and critically thinking it's like, man, is that, is that KOC overthinking things? Is he trying to not show his hand too much come to playoffs and, you know, keep some of those tricks in his, you know, up his sleeve, anticipating he, they were not going to get bounced in the first round and right. have, you know, have some, some more fireworks to display later on. And I mean, that's, that's, you know, who knows, you can sort of hypothesize with that all day long, who, who really knows. Um, but I definitely want to see like, just continue to be more aggressive throughout the entire season, right? Like they talk, you know, he talks all the time about this being the, you know, obviously you take it one game at a time. And at some point you hit kind of that one game season, but it's like, man, so I want to see, I want to see that every single week. Right. I want to just consistently be wowed by that, that mentality on offense. Um, but that said, I think, I think too, you know, as you reflect on this year, I think, um, you know, I think at least for this past year, it's like, clearly he was, um, I, I think a shortcoming or something he was sort of held back by was uh, a lot of people were, were waving this flag, but I think he should have moved and done something on the defensive coordinator front and sure. whether that was a mid season. I mean, it's like, it's hard. Cause you were a 10, 12, 13 win team. Right. So it's like ah, on paper, it's like, what are you doing? Firing your defense is a first year defensive coordinator too. Yeah. Right, first year right. coach. But, but in retrospect, it's like, man, but maybe just a different voice in that room, even if it wasn't Mike Patton or something, it's like, you know, you're not looking for a seismic shift overnight, but could you have gotten into the you know 25th overall defense? And would that have made a difference going, you know, going forward? Could you have not gotten torched by Daniel Jones in a playoff game? Yeah. Goodness. And that exactly like, right. And it's like, Daniel freaking Jones, are you kidding me? Right. Um, I think one other, I was convinced this was going to cost them a playoff game and the defense took care of that before it came came to it. But um, you know, their kicking game continued to be erratic Mm -hmm. this this year. I mean, yeah, despite the 61 yard, you know, exciting kick in the first Giants game. Um, you know, Greg Joseph continued to be in the bottom of the league as far as extra point percentage, um, beyond 50 yards. I mean, just a lot of those like, mm, buddy, that's going to that's gonna come back to haunt you, you know, come playoffs. And it didn't because, again, the defense <laughs> the defense made sure it didn't come to that. But, uh, um, I mean, I remember thinking around the bye last, last year, thinking like they got to bring in all leg, at, at least to try to motivate joseph a little right you don't necessarily need to replace him but at least to 
light a fire under his rear end, hopefully. And, you know, they didn't do that. So it's that balance of trusting your guys, whether it's your players or your coaching staff or whatever. But I think at the same time, like knowing that the NFL is such a, it's so hard to regularly compete. And so when you're having a pretty magical season, like, man, start pushing your chips into the middle. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's ultimately why I loved the Hawkinson trade so much. Cause at yes. least, you know, GM front, it was, it was kind of an acknowledgement that like, look, the, you know, the defending champs, the Rams are not doing anything this year that, you know, they were pretty floundering at the time at the time of the deadline, the Niners were just sort of hovering around, you know, they weren't really doing anything all that special. And heck, I think at that point they were just about turning the reins over to, you know, their third string who turned out to be actually pretty competent and, and did fine for himself. Um, but the, you know, the NFC as a whole was kind of this just really murky waters. And so I loved that idea of going for the Hawkinson trade and really trying to improve, you know, what was already working well with your offense. Um, and again, like, I, I think I would just like to see that continue to see that on the coaching front too. And I think he had opportunities last year to do that. Yeah. And he leaned on some of those crutches and like, I get it. Those are hard decisions to make, but those were two examples where, you know, looking back, it's like, man, God, if you would, if you would have moved off of Donatello earlier, if you would have, you know, brought in a different voice or whatever, you know, maybe there, maybe there would have been uh, different results. I mean, that's, that's obviously hard to say. Um, yeah. Maybe you win the giants game, but I don't think you get much further than that either way. So oh, sure. I do yeah. think it's interesting, the offensive piece, which again, it was for, for, for him coming in as a first time play caller, or at least first time in a, in a long time, mm-hmm. um, I would give him a, I don't know, eight or nine out of 10 yeah. on that. There's a couple things that leave a little bit to be desired. We talked on this podcast, it felt like every week about the third and short thing, how they just don't run the ball on third and short. And right, right, right. Um, it blows my mind. But um, but I think similarly to when the Hawkinson trade went down is when you saw a bit of a shift in some of that stuff, some of the maybe complexity stuff that you're talking about, which maybe it wasn't as obvious anymore, but it clearly opened up their offense, which if you look at depth of target stuff, you know, Jeff Jefferson wasn't getting, he was getting a lot of catches and targets early in the season, but not a lot downfield. And suddenly that just jumped when Hawkinson came in and he was clearly a missing piece that, you know, they, they needed. And so I think moving forward, that's a really exciting thing that they can build around and hopefully add some more weapons along with, along with that too. So yeah, I was hoping there was going to be kind of another, and they played really well in offense in that playoff game too. So it's hard to even fault that, but there was a couple plays that were left out there. You know, the one trick play they were saving was a throwback to Kirk cousins on a third and short to try to run for the first down, which did not work at all. So um, definitely some room to grow to get to kind of that hopefully championship level play caller, I think, but overall, I think um, have to be happy with the offense and this will be the first chance for Kirk to be assuming, I guess we'll get to that, but assuming it's Kirk to be in the same offense two years in a row. And I think they can really build on that too. So, and I think there's some things that the offense did that empowered him to make decisions at the line and do other stuff too, that even if it wasn't statistically his best season, um, maybe contributed to some of that winning, you know, that we haven't maybe seen before. Sure. And one thing, one thing I'll add to that, um, I felt like for so much of the year, one thing I loved that KOC seemed to be doing with his play calling is, you know, Kirk has forever had this, this tag attached to him that he, he can lean on that check down, right. Mm-hmm. That time and again in his career. And it felt like so often KOC would be calling plays that were designed pretty much without that check down <laughs> right? and, or that check down was at the sticks. Right. And so it's like, 
by play design, he didn't let Kirk lean on that sort of thing. And so I think for me, that's what makes that final play of the season hurt all the more because yes. I think in that moment, and, and KOC spoke about this in post-game conferences and press conferences and such about how he didn't, you know, in retrospect, he didn't love the play design, blah, 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 blah. But like in that design, he clearly blindly trusted Kirk because you could just see it on his face that he, he never thought Kirk would throw that mm-hmm. ball, right? Like TJ is there to pull one defender away from, you know, the middle of the field essentially. And, and uh, unfortunately that came back to bite him. But, but generally speaking, I loved how he seems to challenge Kirk in such a, such a way through his play calling. And yep. I think wonderful for Kirk. And so let's, I think there's two different Kirk discussions I want to have. So first we'll save the, what do we do with Kirk moving forward question for the looking ahead. But as we just kind of look at kind of wrap up 2022 season, Mm -hmm. do, do you feel you've been on the record for the longest time, really since Kirk came here, at least for, as far as I know, um, one of the bigger Kirk skeptics that I know Um, and not, I wouldn't call you a hater, but I think you're just a skeptic and um, kind of see the price tag not being worth it and stuff. And we talked about when you were on this podcast about a year ago, we're like, don't extend them, whatever you do. <laughs> and of right. course they do for one year. Um, but has your opinion of Kirk Cousins changed? This doesn't mean you have to extend him long-term or anything like that, but has what he did this season, did it change anything about the way that you see him as the franchise quarterback? No, short answer. <laughs> short answer is no. <laughs> that said, in the same breath, I think you can say that you know, he balled his rear end off for yep. most of that season, right? And and there were many plays throughout the year where where you you know I'd be I'd be giving him a that a boy, right? It'd be like mm. finally Kirk, like this is the version of you we want to see, right? So a lot of the complaints that I and many other fans have had over the years, um, I, I felt like he was living up to some of those moments finally, i.e. the fourth quarter comebacks and the like put the team on your back when you have to. And I mean, he was obviously set. He's, I believe he tied the NFL record for mm-hmm. fourth quarter comebacks. Right. So it's like, yes, that, right. We've just wanted that for the longest time. And I'm not talking about the, you know, <laughs> coming back from behind from the, you know, five and 11 Panthers or whatever from two years yeah. ago, right. Like against quality opponents digging deep when it matters most and, and continuing to hunt down the field for JJ. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. case in point is that Buffalo game on that fourth and 18, right. Like, that's not a throw Kirk makes in previous years because he's so risk adverse. And and I think KOC in, in, infused him with enough confidence to say, dude, he's your best player. Throw it up for him and give him a chance, right? Again, why that final play of the season hurts because it's like, dude, throw it up to JJ and see what happens, right? But like, you know, short short answer is my opinion of Kirk hasn't really changed in the in the sense of it's all it always comes back to the money for me, right? Yeah. If that as his contract is currently constructed. I don't think you can win a Super Bowl with him. And it's sure. not any more complicated than that in my sure. mind. And in so, breath, you can say he played great this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the way I'd answer the question is, well, in two parts. First, when he put those chains on, something changed in me. Like when I saw him <laughs> like that, honestly, and I know it's cheesy and whatever, but like him like embracing being a goofball and also a leader of the team, like he definitely felt freed this year in a way and not in a, in a like let Russ cook way, but like in a, you know, Kirk cousins is for once has the, you know, kind of confidence and the, the reins to um, do what he can to be a leader of the team. And what he did was, you know, go out and win the division and go 13 to four. And he was not the 
MVP of this team, you know, as Justin Jefferson. And um, I think to the question of can Kevin O'Connell unlock something in Kirk Cousins that we haven't seen, seen before, I think the answer is yes. Now, I still think that that only bumps up the ceiling ever so much where you do still need everything to go right um, for him. But I think as far as my comfort level with him moving forward and, you know, the possibility of, you know, if you do fix that defense to an extent, um, I do think that the ceiling has been raised for me and I would be, I feel a lot better about him as a short-term solution um, than I did a year ago. So I do think that it, from a leadership perspective and like it wasn't a statistical perspective necessarily, but it was being, I don't know, a gamer and a winner and all this other cliche stuff. Um, stuff we've wanted for years. Yeah. And a leader on the field, like changing plays at the line, like all this kind of having control of the game more than we've seen before. So I think, yeah, I don't want to step on the plan moving forward, but I do think I would like to see this a little bit longer. So, but let's move into 2023. So the Vikings have, well, let me ask you before I move in the chains. Like you, you had to at least love that, right? Oh, I love the chains. Yeah. Because <laughs> again, you're seeing, you're seeing that derpy, goofy side. Of yeah. It's like they're, the teammates are rallying around them. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's like, man, like don't, don't just bury that. Like he so right. likes to do. So no, I love, I love that. And I just, that version of Kirk, I think like you, you see the benefits of that version of Kirk on the field as, as bizarre as that sounds. Yes. Yeah, I think so. And yeah, being willing to take the most hits in the NFL. And there were a few, I still like him to run a little bit more, but there are a few really tough runs. He had at big moments too this yeah. season. So I liked all of that too. So yeah, but I don't want to fixate on the fourth and eight, but it's, it's something that happened when the season was on the line. So <laughs> That's not that's not what you want. Um, and how much more would that have hurt if it wasn't in the wild card round? Oh my goodness! <laughs> right, it's a lot easier to dismiss. Yeah, I had not even thought of that. <laughs> we don't. Need it was already. Time. I mean, they were off the hook. You know, like the way the defense played that game. You know, it would have needed to be a perfect offensive effort. But yeah, that's a sobering thought. It, it is for sure. So I I concede your point. Um, the Vikings do have a new defensive coordinator now. Um, Brian Flores was hired um, this past week. He just had his intro press conference and stuff. Um, my two cents on it, and I'll let you react, is it seems like a classic case of after firing a coach, you hire like what is the most polar opposite version <laughs> right. of that coach. So we have instead of, you know, and I'm not a great defensive mind, but instead of the instead of the vaunted Ed Donatel shell coverage, we have um, cover zero coming in with Brian Flores, and it's going to be a lot of, the word aggression has been used. Um, I think he's a he's a motivator. He's a you know well respected guy. Clearly, throughout what he's done throughout the league, so um, going to be a different look. Even if it may, I don't know what it means for personnel. We can get to that. But what is your initial reaction to Flores as yeah. defensive coordinator? Initial reaction is I I love it. Um, you know he was of the candidates sort of linked to the Vikings and obviously interviewed. He was one that was really high on my personal interest list. Um. I am totally fine with the complete pendulum swing of the mm. shell coverage Donatel to the, you know, perhaps uber aggressive Flores. And, and I think partly because like, like, like last year was, I think tough at times because you'd hear Donatel speak about like, Oh, you know, we're going to, we're trying to create confusion or we're going to get after the quarterback or blah, 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 blah. And then it wasn't happening. And then we were, you know, we're still giving up these chunk plays and and it was just like, 
It was so hard to watch, right? And so it's like, even if this defense statistically is as bad as it was last year, and I don't think it will be, but it's like, I think I'd be okay with that because at least you were like going down swinging, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like, God forbid you blitz Harrison Smith once in a while or like put Daniil's hand in the dirt and let him just do his thing, right? And so I think that's what excites me about Flores is, and again, we can talk about personnel and who may or may not be here, but what was frustrating last year was it felt like key players, i.e. Neil Hunter, weren't being utilized like the star player that they are. And I think Flores coming in can't, I think he's, I, I think he has the track record to um, just, just better get those strengths out of some of those players and to put his star players in the best possible position, i.e. what, what O'Connell is, has done so successfully with Jefferson um, to really, to really highlight what our, you know, really efficient players do well. Um, so I love, I love the hire. I, I, I truly do. Yeah. Yeah. If you look at, you know, his, obviously last year is just a, I think a linebackers coach or some sort of position group. But if you look at his tenure with the Miami dolphins as the head coach, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but I know that they were, um, when he took over, they were 20 something defense. And within two years, they were a top six or so defense. So, um, that would be even more than I would expect. And if it goes that well, that fast, he's probably going to be head coach somewhere, which something I would be very fine with if it means a really good (laughs) improved defense for one season. So I would take that or two seasons. So, um, yeah, I'm excited about it for sure. I don't know enough, you know, defensive coordinator candidates out there to recognize a lot of names other than Brian Flores. So, you know, that's part of it, but, um, I do think he's a good coach. I mean, when he was fired last year, it was a a shock. So I'm very excited. I think he's qualified, if not overqualified. And again, another, another former head coach in the building for um, Kevin O'Connell to kind of lean on as well, which I think is a good sign just kind of of the way that he's built out his staff and um, different front office people and stuff too. So, so that's exciting. Um, I want to do a little big picture before we get into the names on the roster for next year. If you're Quasi and you're now in year two, heading into year two, uh, let's say it's a four or five year plan, right? competitive rebuild we were competitive successfully but how do you not just for this next coming season but like if you look at the next two or three years how are you building this team um to you know remain relevant and ultimately you know hopefully get to that ultimate goal of a of a super bowl are there a few things that you're building around are there any you know large scale moves that you're making or you know what what do you see as kind of just the lay of the land for this team in the coming coming years and how do we build around it yeah um you know i think as a very very general rule of thumb um especially in a lot of defensive positions but as a general rule of thumb i want to see them get younger faster cheaper right yeah. <laughs> aging plotting expensive Maybe not in that order yeah right 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 but <laughs> younger faster cheaper right like just some combination of that um you know, and I think, you know, elephant in the room is is kind of always Kirk's contract with some of that stuff. And I think that's worth bringing up only to say, and, and I agree that, you know, he balled out. I think it's very likely he's probably back for another season. Um, but, you know, as you look ahead at, at how to construct this roster over the next three, four, five years, uh, uh, front and center of every conversation has to be Justin Jefferson, right? And so, I'm sure that I'm sure he will get a monster extension this year. He will reset the wide receiver market. I don't doubt that in the slightest. Um, but 
you know, the reality is, is I don't think you're going to, when he's hitting that, hitting his prime and, and, and um, that new contract is on the books in 2025, I think that would, I mean, they'll pick up. Depends on how they spread out the signing bonus. Right, right. right. But But effectively the 2025 season, most likely, Um, you know, I think you have to try to align it in such a way that Kirk's contract is off the books and you are, you know, at that point, hopefully you've drafted his replacement and a guy that I'm sure that hopefully the fans can get excited about, you know, with KOC at the helm. Um, but I think those two have to kind of be offsetting. I think that'd be, mm-hmm. oh, I can't even imagine what those two cap it numbers would be. If both those <laughs> guys going up. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, that's true. But um, so I think that's, you know, that's most certainly a part of the conversation for sure. Um, well, we're on offense and kind of the offensive big extensions do you have any qualms about a big tj hawkinson extension depending on what that number is no i really don't i, I lock i'd say lock him down yeah. i top five money top I, five tight end money well and and two like within you know three four seasons probably it's probably not crazy to think that the likes of like a travis kelsey and a george kittle like they're they might be kind of aging out of that that prime or that like real top tier now, granted, if you have Mahomes throwing to you, you probably stretch mm-hmm. the prime a, a little bit. But, um, you know, so I think real quick, Hawkinson is probably in a much more exclusive category of pass catching tight ends. So, I mean, I think you lock him down now and heck, yeah, it probably looks like a bargain in a couple of years. Um, right. I was and, looking at the Kelsey deal and it was only like, I don't know, 12 or 13 years or something. I'm like, Hawkinson might beat that with a couple of years ago. That's the thing about all these deals. They go up so fast that whatever it is this year, it's going to look good, good in a year or two, probably. So yeah, those are, those are my cornerstones are, are Hawkinson and Jefferson. And then of course, like Darisaw and, you know, when all those things come up to um, for Kirk, my plan would be, I would not go into next season with him on a lame duck one-year contract. I think first of all, the cap hits enormous. And second, what is his, I don't doubt his, you know, loyalty or, or like, I don't think he'd mail it in or anything like that, but he got hit more than any quarterback in the league last year. No way him and his agent want to be going in with no assurance or anything like that for next year. So um, I would be on board with a, like a two year extension for Kirk. So that would be three more years um, with the understanding one or two years. Um, Cause I, two things I don't want to happen are one, I don't want, him to walk without us having someone in the building at least. And I don't think they're going to draft someone this year in the first couple of rounds. Mm-hmm. And secondly, I don't want to miss a year of Justin Jefferson peak productivity um, with whatever that stopgap is. So I would rather have Kirk one year too long with like, have my ideal scenario would be you don't draft anyone this year. You make another run at it next year with Kirk mm-hmm. on an extension and you lower his cap it for next year. Um, you're going to get rid of some other um, aging veterans, but, uh, and then I would probably draft someone next year um, and then give them a year or so or less, depending on how well I do, you know, and, and then after the 2024 season, be looking at making that change. And if you have Kirk for one more year, maybe you can trade him, maybe, you know, whatever, or if he has to, if it's a Jimmy Garoppolo thing for one year, you know, I'm, I'm, I'd much rather have that than go without a solution at all. So that's well, where I I'm think, at. Yeah. I don't, I don't entirely disagree with that. And I think as importantly, I get the impression that that's what the Wilfs would back to because of this whole competitive rebuild thing. Yeah. Right. I don't think they want, 
I think if if Kirk was to leave, trade, traded, contract expires, whatever, I think they'd be fearful of a three and fourteen season or something, mm-hmm. which is obviously how you position yourself in such a way to get one of those young guys without salvaging your future. But um, you know, I don't think that'd be something they'd be real interested in. So I think they I think the ownership group would certainly get behind uh and you know another extension of a year or two or whatever that might look yep. like. Um, and if we get that no trade clause off, off and that's, and that's, that would be my kicker, right? Like lower the cap. If, if this is the route you're going to take, and I think it's entirely plausible, um, lower the cap. And then I think you got to, um, you know, you got to get that no trade clause out just to at least give fans like me hope that maybe, (laughs) maybe, you know, if a season's going a little funky or something and, and, you know, whoever the 49ers quarterback is uh, uh, blows out their knee or something. And we can just keep barking up that tree, you know, who knows, but um, yeah, I, I, I think that's entirely plausible. I, if it was me, I, I think I would personally, I think I'd rather just ride him out one more year and just, just see how this season, you know, kind of run it back as it, as it is this, this year. And then, um, you know, be prepared to draft his replacement in next, next year's draft obviously that's a lot scarier because then you're either throwing that young quarterback into the fire or you're drafting or, or, or you're uh, signing, a, you know, the Marcus Mariotas of the world mm-hmm. or whatever for a year or two. And I mean, that's obviously not a real exciting option either. So um, it's sure be interesting to see what they do with it. Cause as so much of the last couple off seasons have a lot of their decisions first revolve around what you do with Kirk. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's 34. I feel good about his, as far as aging and stuff for another two years, um, if not a couple more. Um, So, and I'm at the point, I'm probably a little further down this road than you are, but a year ago, if you told me I had to watch Kirk Cousins as the Vikings quarterback for two or three more years, I would have probably stormed TCO performance center, but now I can live. I mean, this was a fun season. We were not having fun the first four years of the Kirk Cousins experience really at any point this last season we were. And so it's more, you know, it's about, it's about winning it all. It's about all that, but um, I can live with that. I'm, I would love to see what KOC can do with another year or two of Mm -hmm. continuity on this offense and, you know, give Kirk that chance. I do think there's a, there's a ceiling on him. I do think, you know, if all goes right, Matthew Stafford won the Super Bowl. I don't see any difference in, in Kirk on that. So, but he's still somewhere right around, you know, 10th or so, you know, rather than, getting into that elite tier. So that's probably enough breath on Kirk. Um, So Vikings fans don't be shocked when that extension comes through because I think it will, but (laughs) um, because I mean, the cap hit, if you don't extend him is 36. Not too bad. So the dead cap is 48. I don't know how that works. So anyways, so they could, I guess, write it out to your point, but I think that we rarely, I mean, Kirk did it before, but, you don't see that often with quarterbacks. And I think a lot of that plan, it, it, it revolves around like, look, look, I think Quasi and KOC, they were brought in here to find Kirk's replacement and whether yes. that's next year or three years from now, right? Like that's why those most well, specifically KOC, but why that's why that offensive mind was brought in here. Right. And so with that said, whatever guy that KOC kind of narrows in on and says, that's my guy move heaven and earth, go mm-hmm. up and get in the draft and trade, whatever. And I can absolutely get behind that young player. Right. Because like you say, like he unlocked a side of Kirk we've not seen before that we've been begging for. Right. And so that's why 
in one camp, I'm, I'm all for like, yeah, sure. Roll it back with Kirk for another year, maybe two and, and see if you can't keep digging a little more out of him and, and just see, you know, like you say, the continuity of the offense and obviously this same person in his ear and all that, like that, I, I'm totally fine with that. If you can keep that version of Kirk at the front and center, but at the same time, like, I think you can take that same mentality and look forward to who's his replacement and get even more excited thinking like, okay, if Kirk's ceiling is a top 10 guy, like, man, if you could put yourself in the camp of drafting some young stud who's got all the intangibles and physical traits and blah, 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 um, you know, like how high could that kid's ceiling be with, with KOC whispering in his ear? So that's super exciting to think about whenever that time I come. Right, and you don't necessarily go into whatever you're ba- backing everything on, drafting a quarterback, thinking we hope he's Kirk Cousins. But if you had Kirk Cousins play on a rookie deal, Oh yeah, I think you're the you have a good chance to be one of the best teams in the NFL. So that's where it doesn't necessarily have to be your Patrick Mahomes. You know, it could be, you know, we've seen we've seen Jalen Hurts, we've seen others. So um, I don't know if I think it necessarily has to be tanking to get to that top five. But like you said, if it takes something to move up, um, I would say go for that too. They're definitely it's less of I don't see an extension on Kirk as a stall as much as a like we're really we know where our window is. And it's not necessarily, it could be right now, but it's, you know, he's putting everything towards that 2024 cap space and stuff. Everything's coming off the books at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just see it more as a, as a long drawn out plan instead of Quasi uh, just trying to keep his, you know, kick the can down the road for his, mm-hmm. you know, when he starts his evaluation, which is whenever he drafts a quarterback. So um, if that makes sense. Well, and I think, I think right now our offensive window um, is not so much surrounding Kirk, although he was quite competent last year. I think our offensive window more surrounds the, the offensive tackle pillars of yes. Derrissaw and O'Neal, Hawkinson and Jefferson, right? Like, which is like five, four or five. You, you can't look further than four or five years ahead in the NFL ever, but I think that's about as, as good of a shot as you've got. And yeah, I mean, if Kirk can keep balling, who knows where we could be? <laughs> That's what I mean. It's probably wishful thinking, but I'm envisioning, you know, your Alex Smith to Mahomes. You know, you can remain competitive while also this is changing that out mid, you know, mid sure. regime. Sure. It's gonna sound. This is gonna sound nuts though. Um, for you to get a, let's just say Jalen Hurts of the world. Mm-hmm. And, not gonna i'm not gonna suggest we uh have an opportunity to get a joe burrow or a mahomes necessarily sure. but to get any of those types of guys this is gonna sound nuts you might actually have to draft a quarterback in like the first or second round right <laughs> maybe like once or Kellen twice Mon's not doing it right 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 although sam howell i was beating the table for last season and they didn't do it so um, i still think if talk if you're looking at like kirk on a rookie deal i think that's sam howell for you so mm-hmm. I think, I mean, it doesn't have to take a shot. They don't have very many draft picks this year, but um, to me, I don't think it's ever, I mean, Mond is about as much of a waste of pick as you can get, but even that, I like that rather than the other third round picks they wasted that year. So, you know, <laughs> um, okay, well, that's where we're at on Kirk. I think there's no, there's, I know he has a no trade clause, but you don't see any sort of like wave the no trade clause. They look to do a Derek Carr situation, anything like that. You don't see any of that, do you? Oh. I think probably, I mean, realistically, no, I, I, if I'm Quasey, I'm (laughs) calling the 49ers with what's going on in their quarterback room. 
because when you talk about a window, right? Like you've mm-hmm. got to imagine Shan. I mean, we all know Shanahan loves Kirk and, and that's, that's been well-documented, but like, you've got to imagine Shanahan just stays up at night, staring at the ceiling, thinking if I just had a quarterback who could stay on the field. Right. And that's Kirk to a T. Right. And he's a very, very good quarterback at that. So I think you at least call them. I don't know what that conversation looks like. I don't, I don't know if I would think Kirk would maybe be interested given that team, you know, to waive that no trade clause, but how realistic is that? I think not very, but. Um, and then you want Lance. I want Lance if KOC wants Lance. Yeah, right. That's the thing. Right. Like me personally, not really, but if KOC yeah. is saying, you know, from what I saw in joint practices and what I saw in, you know, scouting him way back when, I think I can work with that, then sure, what the heck, bring him on. Um, I think I'd rather just have draft capital myself personally, but sure. you know, I can. Like I say, but I can get excited about whatever direction they go in the quarterback room because I've I have generally been drinking the KOC Kool-Aid. Well, that's where I think you can probably have that same discussion a year from now if you know, let's say the Vikings go nine and eight next season or whatever. I think it's easier to have that discussion from the Vikings perspective, but also Kirk will still have, you know, a decent market, not much better not much worse you know it's never going to be a great market i guess but but i think for him too is does he even want another one or two year extension or does he want one more like real secure three or four years extent you know i'd probably be pushing for that if i was him but get that no trade clause out here and we can maybe talk (laughs) right (laughs) right so okay so younger cheaper faster right is what we're looking for um someone that does not fit the bill is our beloved Minnesota son, Adam Thielen, um, who do you think he's, do you think it's just over for him? Like not necessarily that he will be off the team, but like, do you think there's any juice left in those? I I think he's pretty well cooked. Yeah. Uh, I mean, did you, did you see, I don't know if I, I don't remember if I ever talked to Osborne was better this season. Oh, for sure. For sure. And, and, you know, was, he wasn't even great. (laughs) Right. Fighting some nagging injuries, you know, probably, but like how often Thielen would catch a pass and then hook back towards the line of scrimmage. Like it was as if he was trying to gain speed and momentum, <laughs> right? It's like, Oh, that's just up. Yeah. Pass, right? Now that said, he has, I think still incredible value in the red zone on third down, things of that nature. Right. But clearly he didn't have the burst anymore. Clearly he wasn't gaining that separation. Um, and so I think although there's a place for him in this league, it sure as heck ain't at the, uh, you know, nearly $20 million uh, cap hit mark so um you know that's obviously a scary high um cap hit number he's currently uh projected to have should everything stick which i don't think it will yeah it's very close to 20 it's 19.9 so um, and we knew when that sent and rick really got us with a couple of these extensions (laughs) um so yeah i would the thing is a lot of it's dead too the 13 and a half is dead so you only save five or six if you cut him so Although post June one, which I don't even understand how that works. It's only but, six. So, but the post, but even, yeah, I don't think that's a ton different with him, but the post first June cuts are, are so like, you know, sometimes that number you save a lot more and it looks enticing, but the reality is it's like, well, great. The draft is coming on and more importantly, free agency has pretty well coming on. So it's like, who really cares if I'm saving a little more money, you know, it can't necessarily help me build a, build a roster for this, this season. Right. Yeah. I think it's, like I said, looking other than, you know, a potential Kirk extension, obviously Justin and TJ um, looking at getting 
clearing the books by next off season of these, especially these aging ones. So the names I put down, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook, Eric Hendricks, Harrison Smith. So mm-hmm. Thielen is the probably the one who had the worst season out of those, although Dalvin sure. may have run, um, and has the highest hit cap hit, which is that 19.9. I would say out of those, those four guys, if you can get a third or a fourth round draft pick for any of them, I would oh. do it immediately. Yeah. Um, Harrison is the one I am most fine with keeping around, even though paying a safety also $19 million um, is a little bit crazy. Add yeah. Maybe. Hopefully. Um, and he's, I mean, him and even Kendricks, who I think has lost a step or two, I'd be interested to see what they could do with Brian Flores. I will say that. Um, I, but I don't necessarily disagree with you. I would still be okay with moving on, especially so Kendricks is seems like the most no-brainer. It's eleven million dollars cap hit. You're only 1.9 dead if you cut him. So I I don't really see it hurts me to say it, but I don't really see a case um for keeping him uh, when you could just draft another Brian Asamoah and probably be better off Jordan Hicks. I do not want to see again either though. Oh. So, um, but yeah, your thoughts on kind of those, all those guys, Dalvin included yeah. Um, yeah. and those um, contracts moves. Sure. I, I'm going to, I'm going to start with a sentiment I heard uh, maybe two years ago or so that has r- really rung true, especially when you talk about some of these aging veteran players. And it's that idea that like, look, as much as I've lo- I love all those guys you've listed and have for a number of years, right. At the end of the day, it's like, I am a fan of the Vikings logo on the jersey, yeah. not, right? And, like, that's really hard for fans to get past. Um, and, you know, I think this is a league where... Look how quickly we grew to love Duke Shelley. Like, come on, it can <laughs> right. happen. Right, exactly. But, like, you know, this is a league where, you know, like Belichick always says, where it's that that idea of, like, I'd rather cut a guy, uh, you know, get rid of a guy a year too, too early than a year too late. And it's like, how many of these, I mean, pretty well, everyone you listed with the exception of maybe Smith, it's like the Vikings have taken this, this um, strategy of let's just, you know, ring every drop out of these guys and watch them fall off a cliff while paying them a $12 million cap hit or higher. Right. And it's like, Oh, that hurts because the reality is, was when you and I, you know, would, would talk last year at this time, every single one of these guys had pretty decent trade value. Right. Yes. And now most of these guys have, not great mm-hmm. trade value, right? Um, I mean, like a correct me. I mean, if you have a different opinion on this, certainly chime in. But like a Thielen, for example, I mean, like I say, he's got he's got value in the red zone. He's got value as a third down guy. He's got great hands. Those are God given hands for sure. I mean, could you get a sixth or a seventh round pick for him? Maybe, but like teams are going to look at that cap number and know you sure as heck aren't paying that. So the reality is, is he's going to be cut and can kind of go where he wants, right? Um, and so I or think restructure, yeah. Or, yeah. And well, but I wouldn't want him to be my number two receiver next year. I don't know if I'd even want him to be my number three. So that's the other thing. You know, if he's just, if he thinks he's still got something to prove, like maybe he does want to go try somewhere else. I don't know. Right. And I think, I mean, you I'm sure you saw that stuff with like his wife on Instagram, yeah. right? And so it's like, dude, like you're not helping your cause, I don't think, at least in the effort to stay in purple. And and who knows how much he even wants that. So I, I think for me, feelings and a very obvious, just, I don't think you can get anything for him at this point. I really don't. Um, if you can do it, cause any draft pick you can get, I'm mm-hmm. all for with considering we're, we're slated to have four picks, you know, we'll get one compensatory pick for sure, but you know, five picks is still pretty pathetic. Um, so I think Thielen's gone and whatever way that looks, if that's a trade or more likely probably a cut, I think he's probably gone. Um, 
obviously a great story. Because that's but... the thing is the savings don't look like much this year. Although six million is, I mean, there's only like eight or nine guys on the Vikings that make more than six million a year, so you can get some you know quality guys with it, with that amount of money. Um, but it's also not carrying that into next offseason then, you know, and you know, the it's eating it now, you know, to save later. So right. well, and I think, you know, with with several of these guys, right? But like feeling, okay, so that six million, like, yeah, that you know, looking at the 13 million you're just eating, that hurts, right? But the reality is is oh, that's six million, that that just might get you a starting cornerback, right? Mm-hmm. Like, or at least get you pretty dang close. What did Patrick um, Peterson make this year? Yeah, like five. Yeah, not much. Um, I don't think he's gonna. I don't think he's back either. Sure, he benefited from the very, very um, <laughs> shell coverage. The shell coverage, off man coverage. I think he and his aides greatly benefited from. He had a great season. Like, yeah, let me ask you this though. We're not gonna get into. I don't. I haven't looked enough about draft specifics to know you know certain players or anything. But if we're looking at those two positions, cornerback and wide receiver, obviously we have a stud at wide receiver. We have. Very little to nothing at cornerback. But let's say you can find one cornerback, whether a veteran or something. Would you do you care more about, especially in the draft, whether you know, first or second round pick, something like that, getting a stud wide receiver to or cornerback to? I've gone back and forth. I've thought about this so much. I go back and forth <laughs> every single time. Ask me again tomorrow. I might have a yeah. different answer for you. But um for starters, I think it largely depends on what you do in free agency, right. because I think the reality is, is it feels like so often a worthwhile wide receiver, let's call it a wide receiver two on most teams, rarely seem to hit the free agent market. Mm-hmm. If they do, they're usually expensive. Okay. The stars obviously never hit, the, you know, virtually never hit the free agent market. So with that said, it's like, oh, maybe a wide receiver makes a ton of sense because you get him cheap, you get control, yes. you can find your guy. Like like you were saying with the Hawkinson trade, like that opened up the depth of field for JJ to, you know, go for Kirk to go big game hunting down the field. Like that was awesome, right? And and all year long it was so tantalizing to think like, man, if you just had someone that could just hit the jets on the op, you know, opposite side of the field from JJ that they at least had to respect as a target, you know, it's like, man, draw some of those bracket coverages off of JJ and like <laughs> – you know, who knows what, what he maybe could have done. And so in that sense, it's like, man, that that's real enticing to draft a receiver, um, fast, big body, all that. Um, but Brian Flores is like, I need some corners, man. And, and again, I too, I too fall into this camp of like, you know, if the reality is, is that you probably, I think it's probably fair to say probably only have Flores for let's say a season. Okay. Hypothetically a season. Um, which is plenty realistic, I think. Um, don't you kind of want to throw more chips into that, Ben? And just like, all right, if you're here to be our savior and fix this and and at least get us average, right, which would feel like we're incredible if we mm-hmm. were average next year, I'm a little tempted to like, dude, what do you want? What do you need? Who do you, you know, who do you want to draft? You know, whatever. Um, this is where I would love to get a, the second round pick for Hawkinson's worth it. I think like, I would rather have him than taking a shot on a second round receiver or corner, I think at this point, but if you can get a second round pick back or like trade, you know, do some trading to get two shots. Cause I don't think the receiver has to be in the first round, but I think one of those like top 10 receivers in the draft would be very worthwhile. Um, Cause I think there's so much talent that comes in every year and then, right. but then maybe you go corner early and then either mid to late second or early third or whatever, try to get a, I would just, I would be very supportive of an early receiver pick, whether it be, 
first round or second or third, something like that. But yeah, they need to corner is definitely more of a need for sure. But at the same time too, it's like, all right, let's just assume Flores pretty well in and of himself. And then with the addition of, uh, I think by default, you're going to get a little younger. You're going to get cheaper. You're going to get, you're going to get faster. Right. Um, you know, cause again, I think we'll get to Kendricks in a minute here, but I think yeah. uh, the Kendricks being gone, probably good. I certainly don't want to see Hicks again. I think Pat, Patrick Peterson's probably gotten it right. A lot of those aging vets, I think probably are, are not back. And so with just being younger and faster um, and, and maybe more moldable talent plus Brian Flores, like, I think you're already an improved defense, right? Are you a top 10, 15? No, probably not, no. but, but you're certainly better. Right. And so in that sense, I think there's a real argument to be made for with what high power draft capital you have, i.e. your first round pick, go improve your offense, go make yeah. JJ more lethal and see if you can't get that seventh or eighth ranked offense into the top five. Right. Exactly. And I think what know, raises the ceiling of this team more is, offensive improvement and with i mean the given of yes you have to be competent on defense but yeah i think the difference between the 20th defense and the 14th is not as much as the difference between the eighth and the fourth offense like you just said oh absolutely yeah yeah so and i mean we'll talk about running back but i think i'm fine with ty chandler and kenna and whoever um at running back and draft another guy like draft isaiah pacheco in the seventh round and you're fine you know um i'm not paying any running backs ever on unfortunately <laughs> but it is that's that's what it's got to be i think at this point yeah so especially with how koc uses them <laughs> right well and i think like you know cook was one of the other names you you mentioned and i think too like <clears throat> i think he was one of those guys i thought we were going to see more from him yeah i would for, um for the record 14 million dollar cap hit for dalvin six million if you cut him no thanks on that yeah. um, and i think that's a i think that's, that's one of those where it's uh you know maybe we uh see in a couple of years as a ring of honor guy but uh thanks for the memories right have fun well here's the thing on that I, i'm sure there's more examples the most recent one i can think of is well there's kyle rudolph he's not retired yet but like brian robinson mm-hmm. um he he was cut you know um Sorry. a year a year before he retired he went and played in chicago i think or somewhere mm-hmm. um and then you know, these guys that are Vikings lifers, if they they don't have to actually end their career with the Vikings. Even Adrian Peterson came back to the playoff game and everyone loved him. Brian Robinson's around all the time. Like, yeah. you're not going to, they get that it's a business. Like, you don't have to be as ruthless as the Patriots, but we also don't have to be just giving handouts to these guys for the sake of keeping them happy and keeping them in Minnesota. They're going to come back if they want to. And, you know, Ben Lieber, whoever else, they're going to get beyond K-Fan and like, you know, love Minnesota and show up at games and ring of honor for some of them, like you said. So I don't think we have to feel bad about, about some of this stuff. No. And I think, I think that's why it was so surprising last year that they effectively chose to run it back. And I mean, props to them. They won 13 yeah. games on the division. Like it worked despite what I was personally, you know, right. what I personally thought of those moves, like son of a gun, it worked. Right. Um, but I like some of those just, some of those aging players that they did choose to bring back that, that again, now, like I say, it's like the, all those names you listed, Thielen, Cook, Smith to a lesser degree and Kendrick's like all those guys had pretty decent trade value last year, third round mm-hmm. picks, you know, generally speaking. And now it's like, could we get one third round pick for any of them? Like uh, maybe Dalvin cook, maybe, yeah, fourth round, you know, whatever. Right. Like I, I think, 
and I think we, you know, we talked about this last year when I was on, is that like, I think what was hard with the Spielman years, especially towards the end is like, where were they allocating money? How were they building this roster? And they were spending so much money on positions. You just don't safety and linebacker and running back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was like, what are we doing? And now here we are, you know, now here's the Quasi regime that has to sort of deal with this. Right. And they yep. chose to run it back and that's fine. But now it's like, okay, time to have some tough conversations. Right. And be giving people pink slips out the door. And I think cook to me is a very obvious, like, thanks for the memories, buddy. We'll see you in a couple of years at the ring of honor go play with your brother in Buffalo, right? Like sure. onwards and upwards here. Cause he I did get us good though. Cause he just had so- shoulder surgery this last week. And That's... apparently it like kicks up his contract somehow where it's like $2 million more. If we cut him like then yeah. it would have been before. So shrewd move by Dalvin cooks agent, but yeah. I don't think it's going <laughs> to yeah. stop the inevitable. No, no, no. And, and I think too, like, you know, you mentioned Ty Chandler. I mean, obviously we only saw him in preseason before he got hurt, but like, or like the Pacheco from, from Kansas city. Like there's so many teams out there specifically with the running back position. Um, it's like, you can find a running back on the street. You can find these guys, right? Like you can just find them and pay them nothing and be late round picks and, and they can totally be serviceable. And like, I think, I think, you know, the average fan, it's like, you look at the back of the football stats for cook and it's like, he had his, you know, 1100, 1200 yards rushing, whatever it was. He had his, you know, X amount of touchdowns, you know, it's like, at a glance, you're like, oh yeah, he's still productive, right? And and to a degree, sure. But it's like you watch those games and you're like, dude, he's tripping over his own shoelaces. Like that burst looks like it's gone. I mean, and it's the nature of being a running back, you know, aging running back in the league. So I'm all for show me more Ty Chandler. I'd love to see more Ken AI. The fact that the previous coaching regime and now this coaching regime continue to not use him at all on offense probably speaks volumes, but go find another Ty Chandler late in the draft and just right or heck if like i don't think they bring madison back but if you could bring him back for cheap bring madison back give him the you know, let him be the bell cow and with a with a dose of chandler in the mix too so i think you for sure go younger and cheaper at that position um and i think too it was like like i alluded to earlier i was anticipating cook being more versatile in KOC's offense and he was awful in the screen game yeah no screen game i mean we virtually had no screen game right um, so to me, that's an obvious, uh, thanks for the memories. See you later kind of guy. Yeah. And the other thing I'm trying to find it exactly what the advanced, um, yeah, rushing they- yards over expected, um, is uh, some advanced yeah. thing that's similar to, you know, yards after contact or whatever. I don't know how they, which he was terrible at the number. Year. He was the worst in the NFL by far. And so I'm, I'm, I'm questioning how they're even coming up with this to an extent, but I think for it to be that bad um, and, you know, all the ones at the top are, are really some of the best you know, It's Travis Etienne, it's Nick Chubb, it's Aaron Jones, um, guys like that. So I don't even think he had a bad year, but I think when you look at some of this stuff, it's certainly not worth the, the price tag. And it's also not worth it with the way that Kevin O'Connell uses running backs in his offense. So, and he's getting old. I mean, he's what, three, four years into this extension now he's like been in the league six or seven years like that's a pretty long run for a running back you talk about that cliff it's like oh boy it's coming oh yeah (laughs) yeah so i think that's the easy one so out of those four Thielen, cook smith kendricks two out of four back you think one out of four i think one out of four i think smith's back harrison yeah and i think they might do something with that contract because i think he isn't he like a 19 something Mm -hmm. cap as well he's pretty high too 
But I think of those guys, well, A, his position lends itself to those aging guys. You can sometimes milk a couple extra years out of him, right? And certainly of the two defensive players you listed, he's the one, if, I mean, him and obviously not a, not an old guy, but like a Lewis scene coming back. Like there are names on this team of Brian Osamoa, even um, Daniel Hunter, certainly assuming he's still around um, that really excite me in a Flores defense. And I think Smith is pretty well top of that list in the sense that like it, obviously it was in his prime with Zim, but like all the stuff he was doing at the line of scrimmage and dropping back and blitzing and, and all that, like, He's again a perfect example of last year in Donatel's scheme. I don't feel like he was used to his strengths. Um, you know, he had what four picks or whatever. That's great, but like that's not really like the that's not the best part of his game, right? And so um I want I want to see more of that complexity on defense. And I think Flores is gonna bring that just because by nature he'll be more aggressive. Um and I think I think there's still at least a couple really productive solid years in Harrison Smith. Well, especially, yeah, if, especially if he's playing on the line of scrimmage a lot more, you know, playing in the box like he did under Zim. I think that that's, that makes a lot of sense. That's his strength. And I mean, we'll see what happens with, you know, scene and Bynum and stuff, but yeah. So I you mentioned Daniel. Yeah. I was just gonna say, I hope they hand that job to scene. Yeah. I, I agree. Yeah, Bynum was a nice story, but yeah, you got to get these first round picks contributing. I agree. So Daniil doesn't make any sense to cut him. I don't know why people even would say that, but um, there's been you know speculation about his contract and stuff. Mm-hmm. Would you want to extend him, or would you want to write it out? Or if someone came calling and was like, mm-hmm. first round pick for Daniil straight up, sure. What would you do? So I think for starters. I don't think Daniil would ride out the contract. Right. I, th- I think there's going to be drama with that contract kind of as it stands right now, much like there's been the last couple of years. So that's pretty well off the table. Um, With Flores now in the building, I would have felt differently if they had to settle for a Mike Patine or something, right? Mm-hmm. As a coordinator, but with Flores in the building, I'm certainly in the camp of like, man, I'd love to keep him right. He's definitely, I mean, he's not the best defensive end of the game, but he's sure top five. Um, So he's a very exciting player to, and for sure, an exciting toy, I'm sure, for Flores to, to tinker with. Um, but that said, when you look at the when you look at the statistics and some of the data around aging defensive ends, they pretty well hit their wall at about age 28, 29. And correct me if I'm wrong, I believe he's going to be age 28 in this coming season. right now. And yeah, so well, that's what's so funny is him and Kendricks were in the same draft. And it's like, everyone's like, oh, Daniel Hunter, he's still so young. And it's like, Eric Kendricks is like way over the hill. So it's weird. I know. Um, he's already 28. Daniel's already 28. Sure. Okay. Well, there you go. Um, and the problem is we watched Kendricks running 10 <laughs> yards behind, you know, the scatbacks of the world, for the, the Tony Pollards of the world all season yeah. long. So that was, that was hard to watch. Um, and, you know, it's like Daniel in a, system that was awful for him had 10 and a half sacks or something like that like dude if you would have let him do what he should be doing he might have had 15 right that's probably not crazy to think um now that said uh, again when you talk about like what's our window and and specifically while kirk's here you know that window is is more or less still open so i think if kirk's here and obviously, while you have Flores, I think it makes a lot of sense to keep Daniil. And at mm-hmm. that point, I'm okay with an extension, even if 
you're going to drive that car a little further than you probably sure. Yeah, and you can look to trade him in a year or so. And right, and it's he's not going to be that, that, like you said, it's probably not top five D end money. It's probably somewhere mm-hmm. under that. So yeah. I agree. I think if someone was like, "Hey, you can have our 2023 first round pick right now," uh huh, I would really think about it. But uh, and I was just going to say, yeah. if you're Quasi and you're someone calls and inquires mm-hmm. about that, and I don't think it's crazy to think, uh, you know, a Cincinnati or someone who their window yeah, it's a twenty something pick. For sure. I that's why I was so disappointed by the Detroit trade they made last year when they dropped back in the draft. Okay. Get draft capital, in my opinion, ideally for next season, if you can. I don't know how feasible that is, but start stockpiling those picks so that at least because I think the reality is is the odds seem good that this year we're not drafting quarterback, certainly with such few picks. But I don't think it's crazy to think in next year's draft, mm-hmm. they're probably looking seriously at that. Yes. And I don't want to settle for the, you know, Anthony Richards of the Richardson's of the world who inevitably plummet in the draft and have all these big concerns. It's like, I'd rather have the ammunition to go get your guy. Right. And so if you are to trade a Daniel Hunter, and I think that's do what the bears did for Justin Fields or something, you know, exactly trade for future capital. So you have firepower to move up in the draft without salvaging the you know, the next three years, uh, you know, without having to do a Trey Lance type trade, which if you have to do it, fine, do it. But yeah, just like, don't miss. <laughs> I don't miss. Right. <laughs> but you have an opportunity. You have the opportunity right now to, I think probably get a first round for him. I don't think that's crazy. You know, maybe not a super. Yeah, and if someone's going to pay him, I would think so. Yeah. And, and, and two, I think part of that is like, what are the contract negotiations look like? Is he going to like, just have a total stink about this whole thing? And if so, it's like, all right, screw that. And someone's offering us a first and you'll restructure with them. Great. Goodbye. Um, You know, that's probably perfectly feasible too. That said with Flores, with all those other factors, with the window being a little more open, I am most certainly in the camp of, you know, I'd love to keep you around. I'd love to see what you can do with your hand in the dirt a little more, but um, I certainly wouldn't hang up uh, the phone real quick. If they, if someone came offering a first or a couple seconds or a second and a third or, you know, whatever I would, I would hear those calls. Yeah. Yeah. The other side of that line and, I mean, this is, I guess I've come down a little bit because I was frustrated with those guys after the playoff game because Daniil and Zedarius came out like last in the in the starting lineups and they were made this big thing and then they proceeded to let Daniel Jones just run and throw all over them. So I was not happy about that. But Zedarius Smith, um, 16.9 cap hit, 3.3 yeah. if you cut him. But yeah. I still think 16 is not a bad deal for what he brings to the table just for this year, you know, um, just for one more year. I, I think it was a little overblown his, how he kind of tailed off over the season. But. It was like a knee contusion or bone bruise or something. Yeah. So it's like, it's not structural. So he should theoretically be healthy and back. Right. But like, I do definitely think that like, he's a mercenary too, right. He's kind of a go and get what you can out of him and, and, and move on. That said, if you would have asked me three weeks ago, is the Darius back? I would have said, absolutely not. What an easy way to save a bunch of money. Right. Mm-hmm. But again, now with Flores in the mix, it's like, well, I, he was, Zadarius was so stinking good the first half of that season. And it wasn't until that injury in Buffalo that it's like, dude, fell off the plate. Yeah. And even My then, point is just, I don't think that's a bad contract, honestly, well, for I, one year, you know, no, I don't, um, I don't 16, 17 for what his, his production is. I would take it. I don't think it is and if they decide, I mean, if they go more the way of 
you know, some serious cuts and stuff, I could see the logic behind it, but I don't think it's compared to some of these other bad contracts. I don't think it's a bad contract. Correct. Well, and you don't find guys like that easily. Exactly. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know if a DJ Wanham or a, um, um, what's the Patrick Jones or, you mm-hmm. know, those, likes those guys, like, you know, they deserve snaps. I don't think they deserve that many snaps at this point in their career. Yeah, I would, if you're making a run at it, um, I would definitely think that that's a contract that you want to have at that number. Um, and you can save you, you extend Kirk, you knock 10 millions off the cap hit right there for this year. Mm-hmm. You know, Thielen, that's six. Yeah. Kendricks is 10. Dalvin is eight, seven. That's 30 million plus right there. You just opened up and you can do other, you know, I shenanigans. I think like a Brian O'Neill probably is restructured. I think his is decently high. I think you probably push money back for a likes of someone like him. Um, there are, your, your point though is like there are ways to, free up yeah it's not as bad as it sounds i don't think no no but but like that grim reaper comes knocking eventually right and so it's like man that's why in in some ways it's like it's a little tempting to be like dude can you just start shedding these contracts and just be done with this nonsense um but like you say i think there's enough contracts out there that that you can swallow you know i.e zadarius smith i think a good example of that yeah, I think that they're at the worst of it. They were at the worst of it this past year and then this year with as far as like you've got six or seven guys taking up so much of the cap. And then, you know, I think but they're going to have more and more flexibility as they go forward. I, I Even I if Kirk gets extended. I generally agree, but I think that is a factor too, if Kirk's extended. But that's assuming he's extended at a similar number, right? Like, can you get him... I don't know if you can really get him to come down. He's like, he wins the Super Bowls at the negotiation table, right? So it's like, yeah. <laughs> I, again, I, I get a little fearful of the, that JJ contract's going to be huge and he deserved it. And I'm not yes. going to flinch at whatever that number is. But I get a little nervous thinking of that and a Kirk contract in the same year. Yeah, and, well, we have the Kirk contract and the Adam Thielen contract right now, which is all of the money and none of the production. So, um, <laughs> right, right. I think you can have one or two bad contracts. You can't have six. So that's where <laughs> we're at right now. Astute uh, observation. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it's fun to look at the numbers, and I'm sure some stuff will start flying here pretty soon. Any other, any other players you want to shout out? Predictions you have? Moves you'd like to see made um, as the Vikings head towards 2023? I want to see him draft a kicker. I don't okay. care what round. Draft a kicker. Doesn't matter. <laughs> what about what sign a what about sign an undrafted free agent kicker? Yeah. Drafting has not worked for us. That's a although Blair Walsh had a couple good years. Bring in a kicker. Yes. It'd be fun to draft one, but they're probably not gonna do that with their you know four or five picks. Um, because I, I think Joseph's a free agent or an unrestricted mm-hmm. free agent. I feel like his contract is up. But either way, like, do you want I don't him? see him on here? Okay, well, whatever. But either way, like I don't see him on the roster. I mean, so. oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, so like, do, but but again, like, do you want him back? Like, uh, I'm not sure you do. I think that's the spot you can upgrade at. Um, yeah, I miss the Ryan Longwell days. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I have to say on that matter. Well, it worked out with the punter they drafted, I think. So that's true. that's true. No, yeah, I mean, I'm just. And we do have the sp- same special teams coach coming back. He's pretty good. Yep, I liked him. I liked him. He he has. Um, I think he can lead a room. I think that seems that seems obvious. But um 
Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see what this defense looks like because it was so painfully hard to watch last year. And, and like I've said a thousand times here, I think if you get just younger and faster, at least you'll be fun to watch flying around the field and swarming the football and doing all the things we weren't doing last year. Um, also, re-sign Duke Shelley, even if mm-hmm. he's, you know, and like <laughs> this team might need, they might be looking for like three cornerbacks. Potentially. Yeah, you have. I mean, I like a Caleb, um, but it's hard to bet on him with the concussions. Duke Shelley, I think, should be able to get him at a decent number. I mean, the Vikings are the ones who took a chance on him and, mm-hmm. you know, revived Great. his career. So I don't know what's going on with Dantzler. So probably, yeah, if you got those two guys and then draft one, sign a couple. Yeah. I agree. I don't know if Patrick Peterson makes sense in the in the zero high yeah. era as much as he does in the shell so but i would love to see i would also love to see booth i forgot booth but hopefully yeah, well, i was just gonna say like i'm as of right now not high on last year's draft class but i also will acknowledge it's too early to mm. say that right and so like i would love it if a couple of those guys proved their worth having been taken where they were taken right and like was it too must have been two drafts ago when it was the like Chaz Surratt's of the world who yes. let's, are no longer on the roster, you know, the like four third round picks or whatever that from the previous regime, they cut like, oof, that hurts. So I want to see a stronger draft because this, it feels like this team has just drafted terribly in like the last five years. And that's why you see teams like I think the chiefs and the bills and such like are perennially so competitive because the Pacheco's of the world, as you mentioned earlier, like are these sort of no name, whatever, but they contribute. Right. And like, why we weren't seeing more of Brian Asamoah at the tail end of last year, I don't, I don't quite get that, right? Because it's like, clearly wasn't working with Kendricks and Hicks. Um, so it's like, I want to see I want to see young guys with some speed and ferocity, and, and, I, and I think Flores is going to want that, and I think he's going to just naturally bring that out. Um, you know, I think his history in Miami and, and with um, New England and even a brief stint in, in, um, with the Steelers, I think, speaks to that. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, you of course want to find your Stefan Diggs in the fifth round or whoever else, but I think just nailing your first round picks is just as important. I mean, they okay. credit to Rick Darisaw and Jefferson, obviously great, but then you have Mike Hughes and um, you know Bradbury is hard to you know kind of say that that was a success. With him. So, yeah, I, my biggest thing I think is other than. I'm sure there will be big changes to come on the defense and with some of those big contracts we talk about, but I do want to see a different wide receiver room next year after JJ. So I like Osborne, but I think he's, I don't think he's ready to step to that number two spot. I didn't have him as a three or four. Mm-hmm. Um, Jalen Rager, you're picking up the fifth year option. What do you think? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I like Rager though, but I don't think yeah. he's a number two receiver either, but I will keep him around. So well, whether it's right about- someone drafting someone, I want to see more bodies right. in that room. Right, right about the time last year, I kept, I was sort of pounding the drum of like that someone with speed just needs to be opposite yep. to JJ, a body that they respect. I was sort of pounding that drum for Rager and then whatever and game he stopped running where he stopped on like two different routes and you know, one quarter and it's like a pick and a tip ball. And it that was, was a tough day for me. Oh, okay. Maybe, yeah, maybe not. Hey, full season. Keenan McCardell's coming back. So full off yeah. season. Yeah. I We're was just handing the ball, honestly. Yeah. So that's. I agree. Give me a wide receiver. Give me yes. a wide receiver too. But I think you have to draft one, which is fine. Agreed. Yeah, it makes more sense from a... I mean, if you find someone else that's... A diamond. Not, not going to be Justin Jefferson, but it's going to be a top, 
even top 30 or whatever receiver in the league, like that's does wonders for your team. And then, you know, your T Higgins or even something a little, low, little below that, you know, I would take, and you got four years of that, like yeah. on that contract, that's totally worth it. So anyway, Colin, thank you for your time. It's fun to speculate and, you know, do our, it's like, it's like when you used to simulate the season in Madden and just do roster moves in the off season. That's what I would do all the time. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, draft I... and trade and, Absolutely. So it's well, fun. Thanks. Thanks for having me on again. It's always always fun to 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 talk shop, talk football. Um, I love this time of year. Just in the weeds of it. I know the other time, reason you love this time of year. We have baseball coming soon. One baseball question I have because I don't understand what's going on. What's up with the bigger bases? Uh, it's primarily a safety thing, from what I've read. It's it's guys avoiding stepping on each other's ankles and things. Um, it's primar- going to make a big difference, right? That's pretty big. Yeah, it's a pretty decent size change. I don't. That one's fine. It's the stupid extra inning nonsense that with I, the runners. Ugh, I hate that. I hate that so much. I I think that easily could have been a rule that they could apply in like the eleventh or twelfth. Like, give them a chance. Sure. Yeah. Well, also because the twins are incredibly incapable <laughs> of you know hitting a guy, get him over, get him in. They just don't understand that concept. Whereas every team they play against understands that concept perfectly fine. So. Um, yeah, I'm not going to ask you about Korea. We'd be here another hour, so we don't need to go to it. <laughs> All right. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it and look forward to seeing what, what Kwesi's got up his sleeve for this offseason. So thanks. Since I first got here, I never stopped working. Today was when all the work paid off and, you know, God put me in a position and I just try to take, a, take advantage of my opportunities. 